Welcome to the Human Theatre, a safe space teemed with an abundance of exploration about what it means to be a human in this world. Optimal health is your birthright and should not be a luxury. Knowing how your body works and understanding everything that relates to your human experience comes with the package. My name is Kelsey Buchholter, and I am here to dive deep into all things mental and physical health, longevity, nutrition, human consciousness, creativity, and more. Join me in normalizing the concept of what it means to be a human and the importance of being you. Enjoy the show. Hello humans, my name is Kelsey. I am a singer-songwriter, actor, dancer, nutrition advisor, health coach, and your host. And welcome to the 49th show housed in the Human Theatre. Cape Town was declared World Design Capital in 2014. Cape Town, or the Mother City, is home to 10 blue flag beaches, making it the first city outside of Europe to house 10 certified blue flag beaches. The world's first heart transplant took place in Cape Town. The oldest building and the oldest garden in South Africa can be found in, you guessed it, Cape Town. Moreover, Cape Town is home to 7,000 endemic plant species, meaning Cape Town's dynamic floral kingdom has within it 7,000 species of plants that cannot be found anywhere else on the entire planet. And of course, Cape Town is home to one of the seven wonders of the world, Table Mountain. More than that, for anyone who has ever stepped foot in the mother city, knows how photogenically beautiful Cape Town is, and knows the splendor and magic that this city, located in the southern tip of Africa, holds. Today, I am excited to bring onto the show Derek Birchall Berger. Derek is the GM of an award-winning New Zealand Manuka honey brand, a Capetonian by birth but from a young age spent most of his life living overseas and has finally returned home. He is a strong advocate for ancestral models of healing and Cape Town's all-encompassing outdoors lifestyle. Derek and I discuss all things digital nomadism, honey, specifically Manuka honey, health, biohacking and wellness, as it pertains to the potential that Cape Town, as a city and top-tier destination, has to offer. Derek and I both get a little vulnerable at times as we reflect on our own health and personal development journeys. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I did recording it. Before I get on to today's show, I'd like to remind you of your special 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product. Oxford HealthSpan are doing important work in bringing to the market high-quality, effective, bioavailable, and science-backed botanical compounds that harness the body's innate ability to repair, renew, and promote vigorous longevity and increased health span. I interviewed the founder, Leslie Kenny, on episode 6. I highly recommend you give it a listen if you haven't yet done so. So, when you enter Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, all in capitals, as the discount code at checkout, you will receive a 10% discount. 
Another exciting announcement is that I have teamed up with Nutrition Network and have a special affiliate link to share with you. Nutrition Network is an online accredited education, connection, and learning platform founded by the Noakes Foundation, in partnership with an esteemed team of doctors and scientists. The platform has been designed exclusively for healthcare practitioners across all disciplines, covering the latest and most up-to-date science and research in the field of low-carb nutrition. As a Nutrition Network nutritional advisor and ambassador, you can enroll in any of their incredible courses using the link in the show notes. If you are a medical practitioner or someone just interested and you want to enhance your practice and life, actively be on the pulse with all the latest research, be involved in an international community and be lectured by the world's leading doctors, coaches and researchers in the field of nutrition, look no further. A link will be in the show notes. I also want to disclose that the content shared on this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be taken as medical advice. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed medical practitioner. And without further ado, here's my chat with Derek Birchall Berger. Derek, welcome to the Human Theatre Podcast. Thank you for having me, Kaos. I've, I've been a fan before actually coming onto the podcast. I guess, uh, yeah, it's an honour. Thanks. <laughs> Where are you currently speaking to us from? Well, it's post-ribs um, here in the leafy suburbs of Constantia. Just emerged out of the Carnival Queen's kitchen herself. The Carnival Queen's me. <laughs> I am the Carnival Queen. Um, we have just cooked some fresh lamb ribs from the Karoo. That was so good. Shout out to Bernice. <laughs> she's definitely, she's both, she's our lamb hookup, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must say the the meat in South Africa is it's keeping me here. <laughs> you know, I had a friend who worked. <clears throat> I can't really say the airline that he worked for, but they were all based like uh, just out, outside of Dubai, and he used to smuggle suitcases of meat back into uh, Dubai when when they really? go back there. Every time he came to South Africa, he'd fill up his his suitcase with like uh, steaks from Trumps up in uh, Gauteng in Joburg. And then when he'd go back to their, like, staff dormitories, because they didn't check their bags, he would, like, smuggle South African meat because our meat, I kid you not, tastes the best. I mean, the only other country I've had where it potentially tastes better, unfortunately, actually, it does taste better, is Argentina. Okay. And it's something to do with the way that they cut their meat and they prepare it. They've got something there called entraña, mm-hmm. which um, I think comes from the ribs. We might need to check later on. Um, but they cut it into these, like, little slivers and just drown it in salt and I've never ever tasted anything as good. How do they that. prepare it? Well, it's, it's they Is cook it, it on the oh. no, they cook it on the braai. They call a braai an asado over okay. there, um, and often they cook it like vertical in these sticks in the ground that are like kind of vertical. Um, and it's just how they cut their meat. They have all these different cuts that we don't have. Like they cook the blood as well, which tastes amazing. Um, but when you have an asado or a braai with them, they will they will take like three hours preparing the fire. Mm. Which I guess isn't too different to like South Africa, you know. Mm. You go to somebody's house for a braai mm. and you stand around for ages. But no, honestly, they take like three, four hours and everyone's braai over there, you can adjust the height, the height um, of the braai, which is really cool. Wow. Whereas ours, we don't have it. But as a carnival, I think you would love Argentina. Yeah, I think I need to go there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, think I need to go there. Best, best braai, best meat. Shout out to the Argies. Hmm. They, they can out, outdo us on the braai. Okay, it's on my bucket list for sure. So, I mean, 
this is why I have you on the show, or one of the reasons why I have you on the show is that you have, well, I think you can speak to digital nomadism. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a phrase? Can I yeah. say it like that? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I remember uh, when I first started calling myself a digital nomad, like 10 years ago in Thailand, like there wasn't too many people doing it back then. Like I remember I bought like the first Phantom drone that came out. <laughs> And I just used to go to these five-star hotels and be like, hey, I've got this camera that can take shots of your hotel from the sky. And everyone's like, whoa. And then just like appoint me as their marketing consultant, stay in the hotel, live it up, get paid pretty good. And then, you know, after a period of time, go on to the next island and the next client. And um, whenever I had to describe what I do to friends or or family members, like when I came back to South Africa, like my uncle's like, so what do you do? And I was like, "I'm a, I'm a digital nomad. And people get this perplexed look on their face. They're like, what's that? Um, whereas now I'm quite happy to see like it's been embraced by by mainstream culture. You know, like the the tribe has grown and there's co-work spaces everywhere in the world and so many more people are doing it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Mm. I'm glad it's taken off like it has. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID definitely forced us to adapt in a way. And I think it's blossomed. I think the fact that that's always been a possibility and I think it was just enforced to be like even more of a reality. And I think, I don't think many people are complaining. It's very liberating. You know, if you're spending your, if you're spending more than four hours of your day on someone else's time, like tied behind a desk and uh, doing something, it's like, well, for me particularly, I can't do it. Like I remember actually um, after the water crisis in Cape Town, um, I, you know, chickened out and I ended up moving back to Australia for a bit <clears throat> and um, I got this beautiful house on the beach and somebody told me about a job coming up at this uh, probably don't want to mention names on here but it was uh, quite a famous brand and it was a travel writer position and I'll, I'll, you don't know this about me but I quite enjoy writing I'm a much better writer than I am speaker and so I applied for the job and I got it and um, I started working and within a month the CEO pulled me into his office and he's like, Derek, man, like me, and I forgot his co-CEO, owner's name. And he was like, you know, every day we come in here and, and you're doing good work, uh, great work. And, you know, no one can beat you on the ping pong table. But we see you sitting at your desk there. And, man, I've just got to say, like, you're one of us. Like, you shouldn't be sitting behind a desk. And I was like, I know. <laughs> Again, I'm really struggling with this coming to work and all the politics and mm-hmm. like, being forced to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning and all that kind of shit. I obviously had like a miserable look on my face and he was like, well, you know, I'd hate to see you go, but you know, if you want to quit, you're most welcome to. I'm like, I need the money for a little bit longer. (laughs) And I stayed on the, at the job for like, probably like a month or so longer. And then I ended up uh, getting back into the digital nomad realm and moving back to South Africa. But um, yeah, once you've had that taste of freedom, Mm. um, it's really hard to go back to to the nine to five. Mm. I think also once you've had a taste of South Africa, especially Cape Town. I think mm. it's hard to... Yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't traveled very much, but there's always, like, whenever I have been abroad, I'm like, I miss Cape Town. Well, <laughs> that's a really good example because I went from Cape Town to Byron Bay, which is literally, like, the best spot in Australia. It's, like, a world-famous beach location. It's, you know, always up there on the Condé Nast Traveller, best beach towns in the world, and it is idyllic. Like, it's got a really bohemian culture and uh, it's beautiful. Like it's got a little bit of this kind of like tropical jungle vibe in certain areas. It feels like you're in Bali. Um, 
but the cultural fabric is just so different to what we've got over here in South Africa, you know, and we're very lucky to have this mm. diverse culture that we have and all the other kind of freedoms and that. We've got this weird kind of democracy right now, which actually kind of works. There's a lot of things that don't work in our society. Pros and cons to everything, every place, everyone. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the article on the Daily Maverick today, but, you know, they're exposing the, the vaccine um, memorandums that were shared between the government and the pharmaceutical companies. So Africa's the first country in the world that's actually going to now, like, uh, excavate those documents. Oh, wow. Um, so that's going to have, like, a huge you know spin-off effect around the world mm. we're the first country to do that um so i don't know how did i get onto that tangent i went to live in byron bay and even byron bay couldn't couldn't compare really? with cape town you know with everything that byron bay has got going for it cape town just outclassed mm. outclassed it hmm. we were speaking the other day over a leg of lamb <laughs> how you were describing south african people as like very empathetic um radically so yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you want to maybe like cover that a little bit while simultaneously maybe sharing some places where you have lived. Mm, yeah, well, I don't want to go around like dissing other countries because I definitely um, lived in some awesome places like Canada was it holds a special place in my heart. But there's absolutely nothing like the warmth of South African people and every South African that you meet overseas, no matter how good they've got it, everyone is just like, they're usually coming back for holidays or they, 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 they mm. just miss it, you know. And um, you can just spark up a conversation with anyone here and it's like you can instantly connect over, you know, we're, we're just like radically empathetic um, and it's not fake either. Whereas, you know, you can get countries like Americans, they're the world's best at short talk, small talk. But uh, it's only as far as it goes, you know, mm. it's almost transactional. Mm. Whereas like South Africans, like we can just unashamedly share our vulnerabilities and we're just very real very real people yes. and i think um you only notice that when you go overseas mm. and you and you come face to face with the sort of cold transactional environments of so many other countries which i'm yeah. not going to mention um <laughs> but um no we've got it so much good for, for everything that we got you know not in our favor we have so many pros yeah i know for sure and i think i'd love to get into those pros because you know, you're also very equipped to speak about all the amazing just things to do here and mm. or even therapies mm -hmm. that are available in Cape Town alone. I mean, even just my gym, my gym alone, like at my gym, they offer hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, you can get NAD drips. You can get a whole variety of like vitamin drips. You can get ozone therapy. Like I know that's quite a controversial subject. Some people think it's good. Some people don't. The reason I discovered this gym was because Cheslin Colby was posting on his Insta stories of him getting ozone therapy at um, BUC Fitness. That's where it was, Sweat 1000 and Seapoint. Um, World-class, like, uh, like the Sweat 1000 class, if you want to call it. Like it feels like you're in LA and they've got like DJs mm. and people playing violin and... Um, we're, we're spoiled for choice. We just got just everything right at our finger at our fingertips. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, even just going slightly medical <laughs> of a tangent, but whenever I was in a treatment facility or clinic, there were a lot of foreigners that come to mm. um, Cape Town specifically for therapeutic intervention from being like in a psychiatric ward, eating disorders, depression, anxiety. But also, I mean, I've also heard with like plastic surgery even or mm -hmm. specific surgery. I mean, our medical 
expertise in South Africa is, I mean, world renowned. We've yeah. produced some internationally renowned professors and doctors. World um, world's first heart transplant. Exactly, is done here. exactly. Hashtag Critter um, Chris Barnard, and yeah, I mean, I don't think Cape Tonians, even just South Africans, appreciate the um, just the beauty and the potential. Um, I I was completely my eyes were open when I was like seeing so many foreigners in clinic with me. I'm like what, um, but it's true. I suppose also you know the exchange rate is in their favor, but yeah. it's top class like treatment. Yeah. yeah, I obviously you know I recently spent some time up at uh, Hochland, which uh, is like a water fasting facility. It's been up since it's been running since 1977. Family owned business. Um, They've got an on-site laboratory, so when you check in, they do like a full medical analysis like I've never had before in my entire life. They go through everything from from your birth to now um, and, you know, detailed blood work and, and et cetera. And then you can opt to do one of their water fasting programs and it's all medically supervised on this private game reserve with zebra and wildebeest running around everywhere and daily activities like breath work and yoga and kind of Wim Hof ice immersion, or they were this thing called the Hydra cycle, where you get like lymphatic massage drain, like lymphatic drainage massage. Mm-hmm. Don't know which way you're supposed to organize that word, but anyway, massage that like breaks down the toxins that mm-hmm. are like inside of your fatty tissues. And then you sauna and then you cold plunge. And then you just repeat that over and over again in the mornings whilst you're like, you know, several days into a water fast. And it's amazing how much clarity you get and the sort of auto. Autophagy, I can't autophagy. autophagy. I can never pronounce that word. I suppose some people um, can pronounce it autophagy, but autophagy. Yeah, it's like <laughs> when I was a kid, sepultura, sepultura. I never know. <laughs> but um, that's one of only two facilities like that in the world. There's one in LA, which is about six times the price. And then we have one here, which has been going for longer um, and has a, a much better ambiance as well. And the one in LA has kind of allegedly got this kind of, it's got a little bit of like a sterile, modern kind of feel about it, you know. Imagine like kind of like blue light mm-hmm. corridors. You come to this one, it's like this little hidden gem in the ma- <laughs> over the mountains, you know, with trees inside of the hotel. You know, That's like, so you know, cool. when they have the hotel yeah. with the big trees, yeah. I love indoor kind of like. Makes you think of Monkey Valley. Yeah, yeah, it's fully got that kind of indoor arboretum vibe. You're inside of a biome kind of thing. Um, And amazing hikes with caves. And it's like South African 70s chic and Mm. um, affordable. So, yeah, like you were just saying before, we've got all these things on our doorstep that we don't even, you know, we're very privileged to have it and an amazing medical industry to Mm. support it as well. Yeah. I mean, literally for all these things, even just the tourist attractions, people literally, when they know about it, they travel mm. from all corners of the earth to to come and experience like here. And yeah, I've, I mean, I've met a lot of foreigners who are just like, no, I'm staying, <laughs> I'm staying. What's your favorite sort of like biohack that you take advantage of here in, in Cape Town? Oh my God, it's going to be so simple and so vanilla compared to all the things that you can possibly do, but Literally, simple is good, though. You know, you don't need it. Yeah. Uh, going for walks in all the different trails or going up, like a hike up Constantia Neck is probably like my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Something mm. about those trees up there. Yeah. This yeah. This whole section, this whole nature. Yeah. Fully. And our sun, you know. Our oh, sun, yeah. Our sun hits different. Oh, yeah. You know, like, uh, <laughs> 
when I spend my time down under, which is quite often, I usually like avoid the sun at all costs. Like it stings my oh, really? my skin, hurts the eyes. <laughs> There's like a a white light. Really? Whereas over here, it's kind of more of a soft, mellow tungsten kind of kisses yeah. your skin a little mm. bit. You want to like the more you stain it, your skin kind of just gets a nice bronze. Yes. It's got that Mediterranean kind of feel. So um, as far as vitamin D therapy is concerned, like we've okay. got, got it going on. Got it pretty well. Um, have you been to the Mediterranean? I have, yeah. It's great. I went to Spain. Yeah, and dying to go there. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I, I Sleepy. Think they, they do have warmer water. I must say the cold water in Cape Town is something too. <laughs> but that's also like that's an part emergent. of the therapy, I suppose. Yeah, that's yeah. the other and whatever you want to call it, <laughs> ancestral healing uh, or emergent uh you know, healing modalities that became really popular mm. these days is we're actually very lucky to have that cold water. I was recently in Copenhagen and in the last few years, the municipality is, has embraced cold emergent therapy so much. They built all these like bathing structures around the city that are beautiful, like these huge helix kind of stadiums. And uh, people are now like incorporating it as their daily ritual. They're taking their like flasks and going and swimming in the morning wow. before work. And the guy was telling me it's like significantly reduced um, depression, mental illness um, in in the city. So that like, makes sense. Yeah, and and they're just making use of a natural resource, which is their two degree water, and that is the coldest water I've ever been in in my life. Like I've been in two degree waters in a in a tub before, mm. quite often because of ice tribe. I don't know if that's two degrees, but I've been in two degree water before. Um, but I've never been in like two degree water like Copenhagen has because it's a big open ocean. So you don't get to create this kind of like cocoon or sheath around your body because the water's constantly moving. Um, it was so, like, so freezing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mm. Can't even imagine. But yeah, it'd be cool. We, we're actually quite lucky we've got that cold Bengula current coming up here. Yeah, so I mean, just with the cold and what I have come to understand about why something like exposing yourself to cold, one of the um, you know side effects of that is uncoupling of mitochondria and essentially just helping the health of your mitochondria. So it would make sense why they've experienced such a drastic um, sort of relief slash improvement of depression alone. And I was reading some stats the other day. Depression is like one of the leading causes of disability according to the World Health Organization. Really? Literally. And apparently the US spend like $210.5 billion a year on depression alone. If you could just like, you know, what are they spending it on? Uh, must be medications, Devel- must be st- drugs, um, also probably shopping. grants and like helping to yeah. like, um, what is it, assist financially, assist people who are, quote, you know, disabled with the depression. Mm. Um but, I mean, not only just the on a mitochondrial level, but also the resilience you need to develop to be able to, similar to exercise, it is um, an hormetic stress. You, you just build mental fortitude to be able to get through something like being exposed to cold, which, again, as humans, we would have been exposed to on our human evolution journey. And those who wouldn't survive, that wouldn't survive at all. So it's very much... Um, ancestrally you know congruent which is very much my philosophy of health yeah we definitely were aligned in that you mm. know as you know and if there's anything i would have told like my younger self is you know when the when the wheels started coming off the wagon as they do sometimes in life and 
you start to uh, buckle under the stresses of life is to definitely not try and look for the answer in a, in a form of a pill. Um, and I unfortunately have done that uh, through various iterations of my life. I think I've tried pretty much every single <laughs> type of antidepressant out there. None of them have ever worked. And then I've always, every time I've gone on that journey, I've came back to a more primitive, natural way of healing. It's usually just sunshine, exercise, uh, a change of environment and some sort of perspective shift that comes with it. And that's also all combined into cold water immersion, you know, and breathwork. Recently, I've sort of been getting quite a huge, as you know, a huge fan of breathwork and been busy trying to bring a um, breathwork uh, teacher or spiritual teacher over to South Africa. But, um, yeah, we're both, as you know, very much aligned in the ancestral ways. And if there's anything you could tell, this is something I thought about today, like an earlier version of yourself. Like, do you, do you, do you think you've changed? Um, like you, the person that is you behind everything, has that person, has the Kelsey that was 16, is she like a different person to the Kelsey that is now? That is a great question. I mean, biologically, I have to be a different person because our soul's always upregulating. Mm. But in terms of inner essence and soul, I wouldn't say I'm different. I would say I am more developed in that I I was merely a fragment of what my full potential could be. And I would say that I'm merely a fragment of what my full potential could be in general. So I think, if anything, I'm a, for the likes of a better word, bigger me than I was back then. And I think maybe a little bit bigger, but more confident and um, more apparent version of what was partially there, if that makes sense. A more apparent version. Yeah. In that, like... You've unearthed this uh, yeah. potential, this growing potential. Yeah. It's germinating. And I think it's still germinating. I think it's still becoming more and more apparent as I'm going on day by day. Um, but I would say part of the paradox of the journey is almost coming back home to yourself but with um under the tone of like an owner like an ownership of that person so I think especially I think most people can relate when you're growing up and you're especially in high school and you're like trying to impress everyone like the boys and everything you want to be like the popular one um you are very fixated on everything like an external locus of control and you're very fixated on what other people's people think which i think is just again inbuilt in us we had to you know be aware of what people thought of us back in the day with communities because we didn't want to be ousted right mm. so it makes sense but i just think it's a very in the essence is the same it's just more um I think I'm just owning it. Well, my 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 um intention in life is to be able to own it more and more and more to the point where I am unfazed and unshaken. I suppose what is that? Uh, unshakably me. I suppose. Hmm. Gosh, that was so cliche. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but some some cliche statements because I'm like most people, you know, like uh, certain cliche terms. You just like. You can't stomach it. But like some things actually, even though they sound cliche, it's still like the perfect way to describe it, you know? 
It is what it is. We're yeah. speaking from the heart right now. <laughs> literally, <laughs> I usually have a pen and paper with me for interviews, but we're literally just chilling. Just, yeah. just, just chilling. No pen and paper. We're talking about Cape Town, isn't really like you don't really need to prep much. That's such, yeah. such huge fans of it. And there does seem to be a lot more South Africans that are returning back mm. home now as well. Yeah. I'm meeting every, almost like every day now, I'm meeting like. South Africans that have been living in France or Britain mm, for mm. 10, 13 years and they've just kind of had enough. And yeah. I guess COVID made them like realize that, oh, okay, South Africa's maybe where my heart's at. Yeah. And it's best to, to move back. Mm. I think wherever you are, I mean, you can't, what is that saying? Like the grass isn't always green on the other side. And there's another saying like, you can't like run away from yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? So of course they, they, ha- they are real life reasons maybe for people to move of course but um yeah sometimes the grass isn't always green on the other side and you still have to deal with yourself and live through this thing called life which mm. is lemony and limey well, all if, at we, once. if we're definitely comparing the color of the grass new zealand does have greener grass okay the grass is super green okay but and the eggs are super yellow metaphorically super white oh yeah, yeah. okay no, I think New Zealand. I would love to go to New Zealand just for the food. The honey's amazing, as you know. Um, yes. Yeah. Honey, Do you want to speak about honey? The wine, um, the coffee. I know you're a massive coffee fan, like Australia, New Zealand. Really? They know exactly. They invented espresso. Was the Melbourne really? Knights, uh, the huge Italian? Uh, Didn't know that. Um, contingent down there. They invented the modern day espresso machine. That's why, like, their baristas are like the world's best. Really? Yeah. Huh. You learn yeah. something new every day. Yeah. Melbourne Nights. Because, it, yeah, interesting sort of history down there. But, um, yeah, I guess you wanted to talk to me about Manuka honey. Yes, eh? please. What do, you, what do you want to know? Because that's a huge <laughs> part of your um, story and your job description. <laughs> mm. oh, my, of this current, current job version of myself. Current but, um, version. Um, I'm a huge honey fan. You know, I've eaten honey all around the world. Uh, the Eastern Europeans... They have amazing honey. They have a lot of the kind of like, I like the kind of darker herbaceous tones, honey. Okay. And I don't like, I don't know, what kind of honey do you, do you, are you much of a honey person? I am as much of a honey person as I am an alcoholic person. Not much. Which is like, <laughs> I know nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we're talking about like food as a medicine, like uh, honey for me is like the perfect answer to that, you know? It's, well, I do know that honey has significant medicinal yeah people have been using it topically for yeah. wounds and obviously that also lends itself internally as well for, for if you think about the same sort of chemicals are going to work there um and then also like as far as like an energy source is it's very clean it's like mm, you know for sure it's two simple sugars glucose and fructose that are just absorbed directly into the bloodstream but the reason manuka is so powerful I'll tell you the abridged version of the story, but like in the late 80s, and this is something our government should be doing, by the way, with the South African government should be doing with South African honeys. But Manuka used to be like the cheapest honey in South Africa. Now it's like one of the world's most expensive types of honey. Like my tubs of honey are sold for like 1,000 rand plus. Wow. You know? uh, when I was in New Zealand, they were selling tubs of UMF 27 um, for $3,000. That's 30,000 rand. It's a 250 gram tub of honey. My honeys, like I said, are like a thousand rand plus and upwards. And the reason it's so expensive 
and it used to be the cheapest. Nobody wants it because it actually is quite a, it can be for the first time you eat Manuka, it's quite a challenging taste because it is quite herbaceous. It's got this earthy kind of heather um, taste to it. Ours has this Taranaki Tang, as we call it. Um, and we try to sort of circumnavigate that by, by creaming it. And uh, we've actually imported our our creamer. He's quite a honey meister. He's like a third generation honey meister from Eastern Europe just to kind of make it, give it more of that wow. silky uh, mouthfeel, which is also associated now with Manuka. But anyway, back to the origins of Manuka. So in the late 80s, uh, the, I think it was a Waikato University in Hamilton. They took all the new, their new honey was good for you and they knew that it had some sort of inhibitory effect on bacteria and pathogens and if you had like a sore throat or a cold you took honey yes all the time it would uh, stave off the development of that so they they put all the various different types of new zealand honeys in petri dishes and introduced uh, common uh, types of bacteria and viruses and they noticed that yeah yeah it starts to inhibit the growth and in some instances wow. kind of eliminate it and then they discovered it's because of the peroxide quotient that's present in all honeys um, all honeys have naturally occurring edible forms of, of peroxide. So that's why when you eat it, it kind of like, you know, for lack of better words, I'm not a scientist here, you know, the peroxide's going to work and it's uh, killing the viruses and the bacteria. Then they continue to introduce uh, bacteria and viruses and they notice that of all the honeys, Manuka continued to uh, have that inhibitory effect, whereas all the other honeys that looked like they used up their quotient of peroxide and now the bacteria were just like running amok and replicating whereas manuka continued to do it and it was also much uh, more effective compared to the other honeys so they decided to look why is manuka unique to other honeys and they discovered a, a chemical in manuka that's not in any other honey called methylglyoxal if you take it by itself it'll poison you but um, as a byproduct of bees pollinating from the manuka plant which in english is the tea tree plant they create like an edible form of methylglyoxal. The Chinese have tried to in, inject methylglyoxal into corn sugar syrup and other types of honey, hoping to create fake manuka and people have died. Um, so what? it has to be... In like the whole food matrix, it has to yeah, be yeah, untainted. It's, it's connected to naturally occurring phytonutrients yeah. and enzymes and stuff. So yeah, you've got... To, and that is one of the main sort of... Uh, indicators of quality whenever you buy a tub of manuka you'll often see it has a, it'll be like mgo 83 or mgo 840 which is our top our top one or mgo 1200 that's mgo is referring to the methyl glyoxal level okay then furthermore as you know manuka started to become this industry that it is they actually discovered it needs to exist with a few other chemicals as well dha is one of them and so they stopped just measuring the methylglyoxal level. They actually like measured a whole, uh, there's about three other chemicals that they measure. It's called the three-in-one test. Um, and it's been a bridge now. It's called the UMF test, unique manuka factor. So whenever you buy like a manuka honey, it'll be like a UMF5 or UMF10 or whatever. And that's just a name, an arbitrary number that's given to it to, to sort of declare the, the Level. levels of DHA which refers to how fresh it is, or uh, oh, my apologies, HMF refers to how fresh it is, and then methylglyoxal and so forth. So do you want to, when you when purchasing, you does it matter, like the higher number, the better? Yeah, yeah, and it has to be like a UMF symbol. So then there's other like countries that have just created arbitrary uh, grade systems. 
Like in America, they have this thing called K-factor. It's like they're not even measuring for, for methylglyoxal or DHA or um, or Manuka DNA, which is called uh, leptospirin DNA. So the UMF is actually like an organization. It's a third-party organization. And then we have to get our honey graded mm. by like a third-party laboratory, yes. send it to the UMF, they approve it, and then we can label this honey as UMF 5 or 10. Whereas these other companies that are using like a K-factor, their graphic designer just types, oh, it's K-factor 10 or NPA 7. Like there's no like third party that's going in and making, substantiating these claims. So yeah, when you buy Manuka, definitely go for anything that's UMF approved. Um, and if you can't get a hold of UMF, I guess MGO is what they, they go for in Europe. But like I said, there have been a lot of instances of people just injecting MGO, mm. methylglyoxal into honey. I'd like to think it doesn't happen so much anymore, but even just last year, they discovered like 25% really? of the Manukas in, in Britain were fake. So if you're going to invest a thousand rand or more into a tub of Manuka, better make sure make sure it's UMF, uh, you know, certified because, uh, you know, not a small amount of money. Yeah. So from my understanding, you can only get Manuka from New Zealand. So yeah, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. hundred percent. You can for one well, first reason. Manuka is a Maori word. Um, so Australia, for example, have a similar subspecies of uh, tea tree plant. So from a purely scientific point of view, um, particularly, I think, the beekeepers in Tasmania, which is kind of not too far from New Zealand, they, um, they can make manuka. Uh, well, I wouldn't call it manuka. They can make honey from the tea tree plant that has very similar Probably. taste and chemical profile. Um, but it's, it's not much. It's like champagne is only from the champagne region. You know, there's a terroir attached to it. Um, and then a lot of the times they're not EMF certified and so forth. So Australia like to try and claim that they can make Manuka. But I think they actually, because they don't speak Maori there, I think their word for Manuka is jellybush. Oh, really? So they should really stop calling their honey jellybush. Jellybush, jellybush honey. honey, yeah. And not like Many. jumping on the coattails of, uh, of New Zealand's trademarked, um, prize honey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, anything else you want to say about Manuka? Tastes great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, like one of the <laughs> other distinguishing factors, I guess, is is the flavor profile and the sort of mouth feel. Um, so there's like a craft attached to it, you know. It's not like sort of bulk manufacturing. No, for it's sure. It's not like the kind of honey you squeeze out of like a, yeah. a teddy bear. It's like olive oil. You get olive oil and you get like olive oil. Exactly. Extra virgin yeah. olive oil. Yeah. And a lot of time you can even... You can sense that not just in the packaging of the product and the story of the you know the family owned business that's behind it, and but the the texture I always find like the texture is a good giveaway because mm. um, honey is obviously created of little crystals, honey crystals. Um, so there's like for our honey in particular, we have a very specific secret like stirring technique, and that's why I notice like our honey actually tastes so smooth. That's why mm. we win so many awards, Paris and London. Paris last year, London two years before, gold. Um, it's like, you know, we stirred in vats for like three or four days before we before we put it into a... Sure. Whereas a lot of people might just extract the honey yeah, and yeah. straight into the tub. Huh. We, you know, we'd store it for a year or two, constantly testing the, the chemical levels. And then when we think it's just right, then we chuck it into vats, stir it for like three or four days and then pot it and then sure. it's ready for export. Wow. So there's a, there's a huge craft attached to it. No, for sure, for mm. sure. Like olive oil, like proper wine 
I'm mm. assuming cheese, most things. Mm. Um, so on honey, what? It doesn't have to be manuka now. Maybe just moving like generic, mm-hmm. generally now. If someone's at a store and they want to buy honey, what are some things that you recommend? Like to to say this yeah. is a good single, quality honey? single source. Obviously, if your honey says this is so common in South Africa, if your honey says on the back of it, if it says like honey from Argentina, Romania, and China, like that's a dead giveaway. Um, or, or, yeah, or. like I mean, <laughs> if it's blended from three different countries that are separated by oceans, I wouldn't go for that. You know, small batch, single source is always the way forward. It's the same with olive oil. I've heard you should never buy olive oil. It says it's from multiple regions yeah 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 and a lot of the, especially honey um nobody imports honey from china except for america and china i mean america and south africa um you know i don't want to bag china i've lived in china for four years i speak chinese i have a chinese name huge fan of china what yeah huge fan of china i'm sure <laughs> but they're um you know they they sell corn is commonly known they they export like sugar syrup dangerous corn sugar syrup around the world um selling it to people it's like a fake food so and we have also great honey in south africa so mm. obviously where the honey is from is the first thing you want to look at i don't like pasteurized honey so when you pasteurize honey you heat it above you know, certain just like degrees, dairy. just like dairy, there's no need to do that. You destroy all the naturally occurring enzymes in it. Never put your honey in like tea or coffee because then you're just reducing it as a sweetener. If you want to get like the actual medicinal or therapeutic effects from it, you know, it needs to be raw. eaten raw huh. so it can have that entourage effect. Um, yeah, so just the, the honey that isn't overly processed single source and local honey yeah yeah local honey unless it's manuka obviously because mm. it's got that chemical mm. that now the honey has but they say local honey if you eat it it helps um stave off and ward you off hay fever yeah and so forth yeah i've heard that when you are buying honey you need to look out for like crystallization or that it hardens no that's not is true that, is that a myth honey does crystallize but it's completely natural when there's like a variance in temperature usually if it actually drops below 19 degrees 17 degrees it starts to crystallize because the hive is usually at like 27 degrees so the bees are always keeping the hives warm by how mm. they you know vibrate as a whole so obviously we're taking out of its natural state we're putting on a container and um so it crystallizes when it gets cold but it doesn't affect the efficacy of no, it no, whatsoever. No, no. i think i was saying in order to choose you must choose honey that crystallizes you mustn't choose uh, honey that's just like well, the reason people are saying that is probably because of what I alluded to before, like overly pasteurized honey will okay. often fail to, to crystallize. Okay. Overly processed honey will be just that like gooey maple syrup. Yes. Yeah. But, um, or honey, you know, should, should. theoretically crystallize. Yeah. I mean, if it's not crystallizing, I'll, I'll actually... Then it's a red flag. It's a yellow flag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily red. Yeah. Some, some a warning red. sign. Yeah. I mean, I like really natural honey that's straight from the hive, mm. um, which usually crystallizes and, and uh, yeah, but you should always keep it at ambient room temperature. Yes. Yeah. You not, not refrigerated. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. Not in the windowsill either. So yeah, I mean, I, I love working for this company, not just because like uh, we're a great brand, but um there's so much travel involved, you know, like I'm constantly 
flying. We, we keep our honey in Vegas and I'm constantly flying around the world going to different summits and expos. So um, cool. In about six weeks, I'm going to, I mean, I just got back from, from Hamburg and in six weeks I'm going to the Biohackers Summit in, in Amsterdam, which Shout is out. which is what we originally connected over and I'm very excited about what I'm going to experience there. I have no idea what's, you know, what's coming my way. Maybe you can tell me. Yeah, so I went to the Biohacker Summit in Helsinki um, and, yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. So I, I can't wait to hear how you experience it as a first-timer as well. Um, but, yeah, I think it was, look, every summit has a different theme, sort of. And um, I just think the, the, the community that you get to meet, like-minded people, but also different like-minded people in that you your eyes are just opened to so many new things i mean i just couldn't believe as a south african the amount of like tech new technologies there are out there that are just like so wild and like so cool i was like oh my gosh um like the one that i'm thinking about is specifically i forgot the name of it i think it's the aerofit it's like a breathing yeah, device yeah. with resistance i mean that's I've, huge i've wanted it for so long in south africa they don't sell the most recent versions of it oh really yeah which sucks like Ugh. yeah i don't know yeah why. i don't know why either but aerofit.co.za you gotta upgrade your stock yeah <laughs> Um, I was just amazed. And then I think my favorite part was just listening to all the keynote speakers, like professors and like just people from all different, you know, industries and different, you know, credentials. And yeah, all under this one space of like biohacking. And yeah, it's just a hive mind. 100%. This little sacred beehive. (laughs) This uh, this year's theme is altered consciousness. Oh, wow. It's probably no... uh, Surprise! They've chosen Amsterdam mm. with their sort of uh, sort of leniency towards prohibition. So um, exciting! That'll be interesting. Yeah, I've already started speaking to some of the speakers actually via Instagram. Chris Gethin, he's like renowned as one of the world's best personal trainer. So I'm very excited to chat with him and actually tell him what we have available here in Cape Town because he's got like gyms all around India. Um, I think he'd be very excited and surprised to know about the. The sort of culture here in Cape Town sure. as well. Yeah, I think everyone would. I was like, I was a South Africa, South African promoter. <laughs> I was like, because I, I, I mean, yeah, in Helsinki, a lot of people actually thought that I was like from Spain or Greece. I'm like, no, I'm from <laughs> South Africa. And they're like, what? That's so cool. And then, yeah, I was, and then I met one guy. He was with some, um, he was a founder of some uh, genetic and DNA testing that's what I really want to see when I'm over yeah, there. Yeah, you will. The gene therapy. Will. Yeah, yeah. So he he was originally from South Africa, and I just heard his accent from afar. I'm like, are you South African? He's like, I used to be. I now live in Amsterdam. And we're like, oh, my gosh. So cool. Fellow. Yeah. What, so what was he doing? What was his company doing? Oh, I forgot the name, but it was yeah. it was offering, like, genetic blood testing and DNA yeah. testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think bio individuality is key. so overlooked. You know, yeah. you have this whole one can't. size fits all approach. You cannot. Yeah. Just like you can't have the same oak tree, like it's not possible. Yeah. You also can't have the same ribeye steak ever, mm. even though you you know, it's like even if it's from the same cow, <laughs> you just can't. Um, yeah, but that's another tangent where it's just, yeah, you can't outsmart nature. <laughs> 
what would be your I know we have a, a, a sort of common goal in sort of bringing that uh, primal healing community to South Africa for like a like a retreat of sorts kind of similar to what biohackers do you mm. know when they do this sort of one day but uh how would you envision like what would be like the perfect day in Cape Town for somebody wanting to like optimize their like what would they do yeah huh well I would start ooh watching the sunrise on Musenberg Beach mm. or even Dale Brook Tidal Clutch, Hall. so yeah. cold immersion and you're getting your your sunrise in the eyes so mm. you're you're um resetting your circadian rhythm then I mean gosh there are so many amazing coffee spots in Cape Town, right? Coffee. If you don't do coffee, there are other alternatives for sure. Best coffee. We have the. I love. The yeah, bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, Deluxe. any any cap. Oh, I find it so strong. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like off the wall. Yeah, it's Um So you deluxe or truth? What's your What's your brand? I am Woolworths. Woolworths, yeah. Woolworths. Nice. I like a Woolworths. Mug and bean. Mm, <laughs> I, I mean, sure. Actually, do you know who does an amazing bulletproof coffee? Is um, blended they're out there in in glencon eat surf yoga oh, they, do, they do a bulletproof do they do a bulletproof yeah they do a proper bulletproof i i have um had a really good bulletproof from the spirit cafe in constantia oh, village yeah they make it with butter though but when they made mm. it they made they use salted butter Maybe. it was so good and i think like because caffeine coffee specifically is obviously a diuretic and it can deplete you of your electrolytes for sure. Mm-hmm. So when they like the salt is necessary with oh my god it was so good, and then um, I've also had a really good bulletproof from uh, Wild Sprout Cafe. Don't even know where that is. There's also in Constantia Village. I think there's another one in Newlands, and then I know Nourished, I think make a bulletproof. Oh, yeah. I had it years ago, and then um, yeah I. I like my own bulletproof as well. I manually shake that stuff. <laughs> the ritual. <laughs> the ritual. You. I think that's the, for me, that's the hardest part of trying to wean myself off coffee mm. is the associated ritual. Like, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's so, you know, it's, it's so, even that thing itself is what's the addictive part of yeah. it, you know, going for my coffee in the morning. Yeah. And, well, there are yeah. alternatives, but I think just like anything, abstinence teaches you a newfound relationship and connection to that whatever substance it is. Mm. Um, I do know for myself that I definitely cannot tolerate more than one cup of coffee a day. If I do go over, then I'm like paying for it. But that's just me and my bio-individuality. Mm. I, I hypothesize that I am a slow metabolizer of caffeine. But um, that's another tangent. But like there are alternatives. There's mesquite. There's doesn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah, I've never tasted it. I don't that's know. Pretty gross. Chicory. Sorry, mesquite. <laughs> <laughs> Chicory. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. I've never had a good coffee alternative. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, coffee is. I just think I've yeah maybe I've had too much. You know, <laughs> two decades of just abusing it. Maybe. Yeah. In Thailand, I was like six coffees a day, and in between six. my coffees, I was drinking Red Bull. Oh I'd my Stay gosh. up to five a.m. every day. Sleep from five a.m. till like midday, and then go to work and uh gym and kickboxing and just smash coffees all day and red bull <laughs> so yeah i think you're only allowed a certain amount of a specific psychoactive in your life yeah. and then your body's like your synapses are like okay yeah enough. it's like an addiction yeah, we've got too many receptors now hectic yeah. six yeah i mean i know that's like 
minimal for some other oh, people. Auntie, I've heard... My auntie drinks even more. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I would be... Zooming. I don't even know. I think my heart would like beat out of my chest. It was good, for, it was good for kickboxing. It I'm was sure. Good for kickboxing, yeah. Well, caffeine is a great pre-workout. Yeah. Caffeine and salt. Um, but yeah, the optimal day in Cape Town. Uh, sunrise somewhere on the False Bay side. So like probably Dalebrook Tidal Pool. I love Dalebrook Tidal Pool. Cork Bay coffee shop. Go for a walk. Oh, the promenade there. Like from Musenberg to Cork Bay. Mm. Oh, it's my favorite place. Just go for a walk trail. I mean, with the coffee thing, there are a lot of good breakfast spots. Yeah. And also, like, I think people are slowly becoming more and more health conscious. Um, and I think South Africa is slowly catching up because I remember, like, one of the best things about going to the UK was the... I mean, I was in the middle of nowhere on, on like, a walk with a group of people. We went to, like, some random pub and they were, like able to cater for like at least gluten-free which was like amazing and then for so many years that wasn't you know really a thing but now i think people are more conscious and there are a lot of great eateries um i'm sure you actually probably are more familiar because i hardly eat out anymore (laughs) but yeah or i'll probably you know knowing me i would just bring my own breakfast i would make it the night before or make it on the morning of and just bring it with to eat on the beach it's cheaper that way as well. <laughs> uh, Bernice's lamb. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Oh, slow-cooked leg of lamb. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, tangents. Then, yeah, just being outdoors in nature, going for, I would say, I would take, I would go up Constantia Neck for sure. Mm. And then, what else would I do? Do you want to add in? Anything else for an optimal? Well, we've got, you know, amazing yoga studios yes. here. Like, I've done yes, yoga all, I, all the countries I've been in. And I'm not going to rattle them out now. But, like, it includes, like, that west coast of America. I've done heaps of yoga. Canada, um, you know, where Lululemon came from, Vancouver. And west coast of America, Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, China. Um, and, like I said, I'm not going to rattle off all the countries all throughout Europe. <laughs> I just have. Um, but yoga life for me, like Bikram yoga at yoga life. Do you like Bikram? Is that your favorite? I don't like it when it's uncomfortable, but I feel like yoga <laughs> life get the uh, the temperature just right. Their soundtrack's okay. amazing. Their teachers are always like super thought provoking, you know, and they seem genuine. And it's a really cool community at both of the studios, the Greenpoint and, and Nortuk. Just that whole little Nautic village, you know. Oh, I'm obsessed. We were talking about like the ultimate day in Cape Town. Like I think you could actually live out that fantasy just in Nautic. You know, you've got the long beach there. Um, you've got great like great eateries. Um, Nature. Village roastery for your coffee. Like fresh, you know, freshly ground beans there. Um, Chapman's Peak for the hike. Oof. And the uh, views. And, you know, so many Instagram posts. <laughs> so many healers based out of that area yes. as well. Like, I'm a huge fan of Bodai Breathwork and Help Bay. You could cycle over there if you're up for it. Um, and then there's like a variety of different, like, if you're into like Reiki or, you know, yeah, et cetera, no, et cetera. Huge. You just go to the community board there in the village. But uh, Breathwork, cold water immersion, yoga, nutrition, sunshine, nature time. What else do you Nautic. need? Yeah money yeah so on money but also not directly related to money at all not not even about money i just wanted to ask you this question how because i you know i'm very interested to know how have you managed to successfully 
be a digital nomad? Um, I, I would like to say that I'm pretty adept at asking for the business. Like, what you know, ask if I see an opportunity. Like, I became pretty good over the over the years at um, identifying it, reading the room, reading the person, whatever it is, and 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 asking for a shot at whatever it is. You know, like Manuka honey. We've spoken about that. I know previous experience in honey and whatsoever. But I met a guy, a farmer who had hundreds of tons of Manuka honey in his shed. And he wasn't advertising for anyone. And, you know, I just proposed that I become the general manager of the company. But I came prepared, you know. I wrote like a three-month plan of what I'll do and graphs and SWOT analysis and everything. So, um, and definitely in my earlier stages, like I'd mentioned, I just used to roll around to all these like five-star hotels with a drone and my little bag of tricks. So I became pretty good at like identifying opportunities and also kind of being in the right place at the right time. I actually believe everyone is always in the right place at the right mm. time. So if you actually embrace that perspective shift and, you know, you um, also listen, you know, you've got to listen as well. Like there's a lot of people out there just trying to hustle and uh, you meet them and then they're like, before they even, before you even scratch too deep into into each other's, before you even start to get to know each other, they're already trying to like sell you something, you know? Like that's a pretty shitty way to be a digital nomad if you're just like a traveling door-to-door salesman. But, um, you know, once you see some in, an area where you think you can provide some value, and I think we can all provide value, then just having the guts to ask, to ask for it, you know? So I'm, I'm a firm believer in, I've got yes tattooed on me, you know? <laughs> I'm a huge believer in, in taking that leap and um, not being afraid to to ask for the ask mm. for the opportunity, ask for the business, and uh, yeah. No, that's great Confidence. advice. A wise man once told me, um, "If you never ask, the answers always no." One hundred percent. Yeah. And also be prepared for the no. For sure. You know, like uh, it's just a part, part of, of life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no one likes rejection, <laughs> in mm. all regards. But it is. Again, if you never ask, the answer is always no. It's a humble teacher. Yeah. You know, if you get rejection as well, it's always good to know why. Um, some people get bitter about it. I told you about a story today on the way over here today, actually, where I had a, a business conversation with a local a local person, and we don't need to go into detail, and, and they, um, you know, they didn't play the cards right, and as a result, you know, we won't be progressing with them. But uh, it's always good to... If, if the answer is no, like, if you want to be, like, aware of your shortcomings, you should always try mm. and ask why, and then mm. hopefully it doesn't repeat itself yeah. the next time. And also, often in hindsight, that was actually probably the best thing sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, to be rejected or to have that no, because then it forces you to adapt and try something else, and that was way better, or... Yeah, you're always in the right place at the right exactly, time. Exactly. So if it's that. no, like, it's just mm. you weren't supposed mm. to go that way, and, you know, like, a snake can't slither without friction anyway like exactly. it needs to you know you need to get a little bit of friction so you can like, pull. yeah for sure another wise man i once well he didn't actually tell me because i was just listening to him on a podcast but he said um he's a pro athlete and he said um he uh what is it he never loses he only ever wins or learns sounds like a charlie sheen type statement eh? i don't know <laughs> but i thought that was quite a nice he reframe. never loses he only ever wins or learns yeah. So there are you, losing is not an option. If you don't win, then you're just learning. Mm. I thought that was also a great reframe. Yeah. Quite an empowering one as well. 
can see how it lends well to being a professional yeah. athlete as well. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, essentially, whatever we're doing, we are athletes. Just being alive is a complete athleticism. Um, but thank you for sharing that. I do appreciate that. Yeah, that's, I guess that's why I'm looking forward to biohackers, to be in, in that room under one roof for so mm. many people that are so dedicated towards, yeah. like, human optimization mm. and making the right decisions. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be quite a yeah. eye-opening experience. I think, I think by default, you know, if someone has gone into the realm of biohacking, they again by default have this awareness that the body is malleable and that you have more responsibility and power than you think you do in optimizing your health because i know for like most of my life until i took the metaphorical red pull into things nutrition and health and etc biohacking i was just like i just trusted that whatever the person in the white coat said was gospel. Mm. Like, I just trusted that, okay, I've got this, I need to take an antibiotic. Or I've got this, I need to take an antidepressant. Like, I didn't ever know that I could actually heal myself and that the body was even able to. Like, I just thought that every symptom that was coming to me was this, like, mystic thing happening out of nowhere or genetics or or whatnot. But, like, no. Very empowering to put yourself at the center of your own healing journey. Yeah. In fact, yeah. that's, I mean, I don't see it any other way, yeah. really. Because I think when you just understand that the body does have an innate ability to heal itself, then, I mean, yeah, otherwise if you just put medication over medication, Band-Aid over Band-Aid, not necessarily getting to the root of so many things. But I'm not in any way dissing medicine because, of course, for, like, emergency medicine, acute things, it's fucking necessary. Like, we... <laughs> Thank goodness for modern medicine, but I'm speaking to like the realm of like chronic illness and just feeling like you're just not 100% right and just even, yeah, just not finding any. Yeah, I was in the standard of care from like five years old and I literally only really found true healing when I began to just actually my first step into this, which maybe has a little bit of a circle in our conversation but like when i addressed my nutrition piece which makes sense because again our cells are made up of what we consume but yeah we have spoken about cape town as a tourist destination as a health destination as a digital nomad destination ish kind of not really and it's only going to get better. Yeah. yeah, we haven't sort of really mentioned any of the rad co-work spaces that you get here. Like yes. Ideas Cartel. Ideas Cartel. Work, work, oh, you had mentioned Musenberg earlier, you know, like working on a pretty much a little miniature castle. Yeah, hanging castle at the edge, edge of a cliff. <gasps> um, that's your that's your work <laughs> spot, you know, like you could throw a stone and hit the ocean yeah. from there. Um, it's all kind of developing and intertwined For like sure. it's just getting and it's a lot of these outer regions as well like i don't want to diss the cbd or um but like i do feel like you know the deep south the peninsula you know it's came up a conversation like musenberg south you know there's a lot of little spots tucked away down there and um obviously seapoint and yeah, the whole area is just kind yeah, of like just developed little pockets like every, everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, also Cape Town, I don't know what year it was. Was it 2014? It was also like voted the world's like design capital. Oh, was it? Yeah, the design capital of the world. So like fashion is a huge thing as well. Like yeah. and art and theater and the performing arts. I mean, just South Africa alone has produced incredible theatrical productions. And in fact, like in the musical theater space, um, 
a lot of international companies really respect South African performers for like their mm. hard work and dedication. And I know that's not only in the musical theater industry, that's also in like other industries. Like apparently we come across as really hardworking people. I don't know. Stoked to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> Stoked to have an income. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah. Yeah, there seems, oh, I wanted to mention this. I was at a breathwork thing the other night because I go along to these different breathwork groups around the place and, um, for the first time ever, before we did our session, the uh, facilitator made us do, as a group, a bunch of different, like, ooh and ah sounds, like different expressive sounds, before we did it, and also, like, movements attached with it. And as a result, I seemed to have a more expressive and even cathartic experience mm-hmm. during the breath work. I wasn't just, like dare I say, as passive as normal. Um, and, you know, which is part of the catharsis of breathwork is letting whatever comes, letting whatever unfolds, just letting it out, you know, not hindering it. Um, so I do feel like with what you're bringing to the table, with your uh, vagus nerve, I can never, I don't know how to describe it, vagus nerve singing therapy. Um, <laughs> well, not many people know this actually about me. Yeah, I think but, yeah. that sort of combined with breath work, it's going to be a very powerful healing modality. For sure, I know it is. So this is what I did my TEDx presentation on, which hasn't yet been released. I'm hoping it does get released soon. But I also do, um, I'm involved in another company where I um, help facilitate singing and, you know, just very simple parasympathetic breath work for very sick people to help them stimulate their vagus nerve um because both singing and breath work can help do you so immediately and, feel it like when yeah, you're making you those do. sounds you do yeah it's uh it's amazing. yeah yeah i yeah, know it's huge and i think i also personally experienced this when i was still studying because you know growing up as a kid music had always played a huge part in my life i was always singing writing music etc and then when i was really really sick that was like the first thing to go away and that was like my first sign that something was not right because i didn't even want to i couldn't even listen to music and when i was in clinics and hospital it was like very very traumatic a very very traumatic period of my life and i literally became mute i couldn't talk i literally couldn't talk but um, part of the beautiful experience of starting to study musical theatre is that I was, you know, you had to sing and dance and act and going into singing classes, which, you know, beforehand I hadn't really ever found a singing teacher for myself. So this was like a new, you know, taking one of my biggest emotional outlets, which understanding, you know, the vagus nerve connects everything. Um, singing makes sense why it's so related to your psyche. But uh, yeah, that was a huge, a huge process. And learning you know almost like going back to basics with learning how to use my voice and optimize my voice with my singing coaches and vocal coaches was just a profound healing experience and I don't think it is um insignificant to you know view in the greater picture of my recovery because I had carnival going for me I had studying something that was giving me purpose and life and joy and like actually authentic to me and then specifically just something as practical as singing. I think those three, I mean, I'm, they're obviously always things at play all the time that are contributing mm. to that. But I, what I know now about the vagus nerve and how it can help in every aspect of health um, is, I mean, huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful combination. Yeah. 
I mean, breathwork alone is just powerful, but when you add it with singing, it's just, woof. I wonder if they did it uh, back in the days. Did you hear about like the vibrational healing chamber, like the Pythagoras uh, sound healing chambers? Uh, you alluded to that in conversation once, but we... Oh, that was it. with the origins of the vegetarian diet. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, please did, share. Did you know that the original vegetarian diet allegedly used to be called the Pythagorean diet? I don't know. But they wouldn't eat meat, but they also wouldn't eat like, uh, I think, bean sprouts because they had like a hollow stem and they could detect vibrational activity, which they associated with life force. So they wouldn't eat like any animals as well as, I think, beans. Interesting. Um, the early sort of disciples of Pythagoras. But yeah, they were known for using um, what we call sound healing or therapy in their sort of healing chambers, um, which makes sense. That, that also has totally an effect of, on the vagus nerve. But I guess yeah. if you're actually making the sound yourself. With endogenously, yeah. yeah. It's like a profound, it's like the difference of, you know, cre- like you yourself as as your metabolic system is, you know, running off of ketones and endogenously producing ketones versus just taking exogenous ketone supplements. Mm. It's, 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 yeah, there's something very rewarding, humbling, subtle, powerful, for sure. But yeah, sound therapy in and of itself. I mean, also when you understand that the world is just light and sound and energy, it kind of all makes sense. Mm. Well, I'm keen to see where you take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm keen to see how it all unfolds in general, this thing called life. So where can people get Manuka? Um, well, if, you know, if they're based in America, we sell on Amazon. Same with Europe. You can just get it direct to your door. Uh, if you're in Germany, you can also buy it from Sunday Naturals. Um, so in Europe and also Middle East as well or on Amazon, um, as well as the AFAC group. So, that, you know, all overseas countries, you can just get it from your usual sort of online stores. If you just type Naki Manuka Honey. Um, South Africa's gone a slightly different path. Um, it is a little bit more difficult getting honey into this country. There is a step with customs where you have to like irradiate it and then etc. etc. So we are in, in talks now with Faithful to Nature and being given conditional approval. I just need to finish a little bit more paperwork, but yeah, it looks like we'll be stocked with Faithful to Nature um, very soon. Um, and then there's a few places around Cape Town where you can pick up. Uh, if you're a member of Sweat 1000 up in Seapoint, you can get free samples at the smoothie bar. If you're buying a smoothie uh, down in Nortuk at the point, you can you can buy Naki Manuka there um, and probably a few other other stores I need to probably get off, get off my butt and get out there. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, faithful to nature. Awesome. The, and then also follow us on Instagram, uh, Naki Manuka Honey for updates on, um, yeah, just the crazy stuff we're doing. I've got a, as you know, I've got that company car here and I'm planning to uh, drive up through Africa to, to Europe at some point, um, go on a little adventure and learn about the different beekeeping traditions through Africa. There's some really cool stuff huh. where they work uh, kind of in in cahoots with like honey guides, which wow. is a bird it kind of shows people where the wow. beehives are at. We have them here in South Africa as well. Are you going to be documenting this? this yeah, so but cool. that's like we're in the conceptual Process. phases okay, wow, right now. But I'm speaking with, with my buddy, Michael Rupp, cinematographer, about doing it. Um, and yeah, we're just reaching out to some, some beekeepers in Zanzibar right now. Seeing who so can cool. show us. Because I'm very interested in this process. It's basically like tribes there that are multi-generational that have been working in a symbiotic relationship with birds 
there. And then the birds come to the tribe and like start tweeting to let them know. And then they follow the birds into the forest, find the wild hive, extract the honey. And then the birds obviously eat all the debris that's left. And then you get this wild like Zambian honey, which South Africa used to be the biggest import partner of. But ever since they started this whole like irradiation law, um, Zambian honey now struggles to get across the border. So I have no idea what they're doing with, with all of that honey now. I don't know if they're yeah. selling it to Germany or um, That's a shame. European partners. But um, wow. yeah, South Africa has this rule where you have to irradiate honey when it gets in the border. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, follow us on Instagram and um, check out some Thank of those you. adventures and figure out where to buy Manuka honey from as uh, here in South Africa. Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes. And then I have two final questions for oh, yeah? you. Okay. The first one is what are three non-negotiables for you daily? Yeah, I like to run um, on my own time. So I definitely don't like to, as, as we've alluded to earlier, I like to sculpt every day individually. Um, I would have said coffee is a non-negotiable. <laughs> um, and recently, uh, hot yoga, you know, Bikram yoga. I do Bikram yoga every single day. And if I don't do it, I kind of feel like something very important. Is, 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 yeah. An element's missing out of my mm-hmm. day. So, um, yeah, I like to sort of wake up, kind of stretch, and then I might have my plan for the day, what I'm going to do. But more often than not, I'll just roll the dice and be like, nah, there's a little bit of swell. I'm going to go to Colt Grey first, and then I'm going to do this. Or, you know, decide to go. I was going to go to Claremont to go work out of Ideas Cartel, but now I'm deciding to go to Seapoint because I want to go to a class. So I like to sort of uh, create, create my day um, as I see fit on the day. Uh, but it definitely has to include... Movement. Bikram Yaga. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, perks of being a, a digital nomad is the flexibility. Yeah. And then for your last question, you mm-hmm. asked me this earlier. Would you say, and I can't remember how you worded it, are you the same you that you were? I was up until, uh, I guess, when you start, uh, I guess, always used to be like a bit of a Peter Pan type character. You okay. know, just traveling around the world and uh, kind of things were largely working out for me. Um, and mainly hedonistic, just trying to have as much fun as possible. Um, always kind of being on a bit of a spiritual quest, but like I said, I was kind of like a bit of a Peter Pan type character, so I didn't, didn't mature in many ways. Um, but I think when you get faced with, when your health starts to get challenged in certain ways, you know, then that can um, shatter an illusion or it can change things for you. So uh, I'm definitely a lot maturer now than I was in my 30s and 20s and uh, slowed down. Like my pace of life is a lot slower than what it used to be. So I think think because of those things, I do feel like a different, uh, you know, I slowly digest things now, whereas before I was like quite erratic and uh, that's came with a personality change of sorts. A lot more contemplative these Mm. days. (laughs) I'm just thinking, like, I wonder if your essence was always still the same, but your was, expression of that was, is what's changed. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely always quite like a fire sign, I'm an Aries, um, whereas I'm still pretty impulsive and spontaneous now, like I need that, as obviously I mentioned earlier, I need That's that, how you're wired. that spontaneity in my daily life, but I'm not as much of a wild you know not near as wild as i used to be i guess that just comes with age right but it feels like a slight personality change 
Like I wouldn't even, I'd be afraid to hang out with a younger version of myself now. <laughs> you know, that guy was, he was a liability. He did heaps of stupid shit because he thought he was like immortal. So I think the current version of me is um, almost settled. Well, on the other flip of the coin, at least you've lived. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Live a few kinks like in the I am so vanilla compared. No, 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 no. That's the worst we've all. Well, we bonded over, <laughs> over, you know, the, whatever you want to call it, the trauma healing journey yeah. or whatever. And, and that was what, what originally brought me to, to your podcast. And, and uh, I thoroughly enjoy our friendship as well. You know, you're, you're a lot more wise beyond your years. So, yeah, we definitely, um, I wouldn't say you're vanilla in any way. <laughs> Well, I suppose it's all relative. But anyway, thank you for coming on the show. It was an honor to have you on. And yeah, if you haven't yet done so, come to Cape Town. Um, And also like, subscribe, share, do all the things for the human theater and Manuka Honey. Yeah, lekker. Muy blij. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that. Let us know if you have any feedback. And if you know of anyone who would benefit from hearing this episode, please share, share, share. Sharing, liking, subscribing, and giving the show up to a five-star rating and review are free and effective things that you can do to help support and grow the show and get it more accessible to more people. It all means so very much. Don't forget about your special 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product when you enter Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, all in capitals as the discount code at checkout. A link will be in the show notes. Also, don't forget about your special affiliate link if you are interested in enrolling for a Nutrition Network course. And until next time, stay safe, stay real. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Human Theatre. I hope you learned something new. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and give a rating or a review on whatever app you are listening to this podcast on. I would love to hear your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram or via email. All the links are in the show notes. Remember, you are your most important person in this world. Keep shining your unique light. Until next time, 